everybody, and welcome to the uh, last Mad Men podcast for season one. John, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm in my new place, Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio, coming from the friendly confines, my friend. Yes, you- yes. Uh, it'd be great to be there with you in New York talking about Mad Men, but Columbus will have to do. Now, you are, uh, just in case the government's listening, you are stealing internet right now, correct? Borrowing, I will give this internet back. <laughs> hey uh, So, John, we're uh, we're at the last episode of season one. Uh, this, this is a, this is this a, is the best episode ever, right? I don't know. This is a pivotal point, though, in in our uh, broadcasting uh, relationship. So, I'd like to uh, I'd I'd like to say thank you. Well, thank you. It's been an honor getting through this with you, and and you have been funny. Thank you. I'm trying. Anyway, so the wheel season finale. What did we learn this time, John? Well, Harry Kane has a weird fascination for handprints. Creepy. Uh, Peggy is not only a horrible bitch, she's pregnant. And lastly, our little friend Glenn struggles with the concept of time, John. All very true and all very weird. This show has so much. I watched this show about three times. This show has so much packed into its less than an hour. It's incredible. I mean, it is incredible. Given, you know, regardless of how you feel about the different scenes, everything that happens is fantastic. And it just, you know, it starts off terribly with Campbell. I mean, (laughs) the first time you watch it, it's like, really? We're going to start with Pete? But that's how we go. And they're they're talking uh, politics and election, and uh, Pete's father-in-law is trying to get him to focus more on home, take his edge off of work, and and then they start talking business about how the dad works for um, the father-in-law works for Clearso uh, as a business guy. Mm-hmm. And we also find out the timing that this is the week of Thanksgiving. Does uh does uh does dad not give uh, Pete a little poke about getting uh? Getting busy and making some children. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's kind of a theme actually around the um, around the show. That's something that should be away apparently. And and Trudy's like, oh, you're embarrassing us. Ha ha ha. So kind of a I don't know, kind of a, a week starting scene. But that's you know, mm-hmm. it's a week of Thanksgiving. They're they're opening up the whole storyline about uh, the Campbells and children, which they turn into more down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's about it. You know, and then we we jump out of there, and we go um, we go to the Drapers. We see Betty and Don in bed. Betty's making a grocery list, getting ready to cook for Thanksgiving, and they have a little spat about Thanksgiving. Well, I well right because uh, Peggy wants to. Uh, well, they're they're the family is going up to Betty. Uh, Betty. I'm sorry. Come on, man. Man. We're a season and a half into this podcast. Would it not be weird <laughs> if I didn't screw that up in the first uh, three minutes of the show? We'd have more uh, listen. Oh, jeez, I'm sorry. Uh, so <laughs> Tammy's making a grocery list, right? Okay. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. No, because they're going to uh, Betty's um, uh, father's house uh, for Thanksgiving. Don has already said no, he's not going because John, he's got to work. Okay. He's a busy man. He is a busy man in more ways than one. Uh, and you know, she says, uh, you know, I actually, would almost, he's, he's not busy right now. He is. Yeah, he well, has no right. dalliance. He's off the, he's off the mankin. Yeah. He's been unmaken, but still, uh, is, finds a way to dodge. And I believe she says to him, like, uh, 
it's almost like you don't want to go. And he says, I thought I made that clear. But, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Come on, Don. Sometimes you got to do things you don't want to do. Come on, buddy. Be a pal. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's really interesting how he gets from that point to where he winds up the episode and just that transformation that happens. Uh, we but we're getting get, ahead of ourselves. Are, are we? we? We also get in the next thing, a little sneak peek at um, at our good friend Harry Crane on the phone in his underwear trying to, uh, try, you know, he's telling his wife how much uh, he misses her because obviously he spilled the beans on his uh, on his little affair from the last episode, John. Yeah. And, and you know, he's it's funny because he's actually lying to her to make her feel better somehow. Because he's he's telling her that he's staying at Ken's place. I don't understand. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just say, hey, I got nowhere to go. I'm staying in the office. I'm miserable. Yeah. I love you, baby. Come on. Let me come home. <laughs> I agree. I, I didn't get that. But I yeah, that's what, that's, that's what he does. He says he's staying at Ken's. Here's the other thing. he has thing. to come home and a couple times. Why can't he, certain, why can't he take the lead? Really you can't even hear me, can you? Why can't he take the lead from uh, uh, Roger and Don? And you just keep that stuff close to the vest, pal. But he must have, well, I think that's he the must point. have ran right home he, and told on himself. Yeah, no, that's the point. He's he's a different animal. You know, he is the he is the nice guy. He is the, you know, he's the stand-up gentleman, the honest one. He's a good person? Is that what you're telling me? Let's not go too far. All right, yeah. fair enough. No, no, he is. He's, you know, he's, he's a good person. He's kind of the, I'm not going to say the opposite, but in some ways, you know, very different from those guys. Yeah, he, he's, he's a bit more innocent, and you can see that uh, in kind of every facet of his character. Indeed. Bow tie? Hello. Oh, exactly. Nothing, nothing screams innocence like a bow tie, John. Uh, Thank you. So, so then we go into this little short scene that I really love, and I hope I'm right here, but uh, uh, Don gets called into Cooper's office, and Cooper calls him out. On uh, Don Mankin the Mankin. Yeah, it's it it you know it's really it's kind of funny. It's like a it's like a junior high kid being scolded. I thought it was really great because it's kind of sets Cooper up as this all knowing omnipotent om- omnipotent figure. Did I say that right? Close. Op- no. Omnipresent. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll they'll know what you mean. Thank we'll you, everyone. On. Uh, no, I thought it was cool. He calls him out. He's just like, yeah, listen, man, I kind of know everything. I hear stuff from people. I can tell by the tone in people's voices that you were making the mangan, and uh, I don't like it. Let's not do that. All right, clean you know, clean it up, big boy. Clean don't it up. Don't mix business and pleasure. Clean it up. So then we move yeah, into no. one of the big storylines of the show, though, or, or kind of one of the big movements of the show. Uh, Francine comes over to the house. Yeah, and she's a mess. She is. She, yes, she's a hot mess. Man, that's that's the wrong word. Uh, she's all upset because she, what, she's been checking the phone bill, John. She well, not checking the phone bill. She you know she's crying. She was saying how she <laughs> how her head hasn't been right since she had the baby. Um, that she threw away the phone bill and her phone got cut off. Oh, okay. So she had to go pay it. And when they handed her the bills, uh, she said it was eighteen dollars, which I'm going to guess is high. And oh yeah. Um, she saw a she saw a, a repeating number in Manhattan or what she thinks is Manhattan, and called it. A woman answered. She said, "You know, she's at Carlton's office and he wants to meet for dinner." And the woman said, "Great." So she's, you know, 
all a mess. That Carlton guy seems like kind of a son of a bitch, though. A real douche. Real douche. He would cheat on anything. No, I, yeah, he, I, yeah, exactly. He, you know, he's he's one of my favorite episodes from this season when he just gets uh, bolted to the wall by Helen at that little party. I mean, that was fantastic. But he uh, would push down an old lady to take her her scene on a train. That's how I feel about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. He comes across as that way. Just, just terrible. Terrible. Uh, terrible. But uh, yeah, so so Betty tries to console her, and and that's a really wonderful awkward moment. Mm-hmm. You know, with the whole, I, I thought, I thought you would know what, you know, and I, I, admittedly that comes off as just really stupid. Why would she know what to do? No, I took that completely different, John. She oh, you said, think it's common knowledge that she's being cheated on? I think that Francine is like, listen, you deal with this stuff all the time and you keep it together. What do I do? I think everybody See, I, I thought, knows that Don is a wanderer, my friend. I don't know. I, I kind of took it the other way because one, I don't give Francine enough credit for being smart enough to observe anything outside of her own life. Uh, um, no, I, two, I completely disagree with that point too because she is almost the head why? of the neighborhood gossip team. No, she's like, a just gossip. In the, just yeah. in that episode where she brought the little T-shirt over and was like, "Hey, I think this is Bobby's," and she's like, "No, it's not." She's like, "Oh, can I come in?" Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's no, what, no, that's, that's what she does, man. Yeah. No, I th- I think that's a fair point, but I don't know. I, I, I got more the feeling from the, the scene that she was just coming over because she doesn't really know how to think for herself. So she just went to her friend. And was wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Tell wait, me what wait, to wait, do. Wait, wait, wait. I think you're being overly harsh here, John. Now, put yourself in the situation of someone who's really upset. You would go talk to a friend, and she goes and talks to Betty. I don't think that anybody in the situation would be like, listen, I'm really tough and smart. I'll just sit here alone and will myself happy. I think, I think. Fair enough. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I think there's a big difference between going and talking to a friend and and getting your your anxieties and fears and, and anger out uh, versus going to somebody and saying, tell me how to act. I think, you know, no, I think you're still wrong, because I think that when she went, <laughs> she, she she seriously was like, Betty, you know how to deal with this, because Don is a. A man whore. Huh. Okay. I, let's, I let's can see where you're coming from. Let's agree to disagree. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Um, but, uh, so but yeah, go- so that's, you know, and it, it, it does get kind of creepy where she's like, I'm going to poison him and I'll poison everyone. And yeah, his parents, you know, she, the kids. Yeah, yeah, her kids. Creepy, yeah. creepy, creepy. Really, really low. Yeah. Um, but then she, you know, she leaves. And Betty walks into the den and grabs the phone bill. Yeah. But that they, they leave that as a suspense moment, and she just drops it in her pocket, and we move on. I tell you what, Don would love cell phones, would he not, John? Why would, No, Don wouldn't love cell phones. What are you talking about? He would love cell phones. Why? Because he's got his own phone, man. He's paying his own bill online. Yeah, but then if he had a cell phone, and Betty calls him every half hour... If he doesn't pick up, it's like, hey, Don, why didn't you pick up? I'm in a meeting. What, at 7 at night? Yes. All right. I have meet, We have meetings that late sometimes. People have late meetings, man. I'm really? Saying. Yeah, you got a pitch All going right. on. Oh, I got a pitch. You know, I got, oh, I tell you what, <laughs> I, oh, it's crazy in here, baby. I miss you. I'm just saying with cell phones, you'd have to come up with a hell of a lot more I do agree with you there. I do agree with you does. there. 
He would also uh-huh. hate the Facebooks. Moving on. Next scene. Duck. <laughs> Duck is there. Uh, I don't like him. I don't like the vest he's wearing either. Uh, but he's oh, he kind of he, he comes he, across as kind of a dick just by opening the meeting. Yes, he does. Well, he's trying to he's trying to be tough. I mean, what is this, this college? No, no, no. But he's trying to be tough and shows that he knows what to do. And he's telling everybody, listen, you got to get out there. You got to press the palms. You got to ask people who they know. You got to be going to lunch and going to dinner with the people that know how to spend money. All the stuff, you know. And I'll tell you what, this actually kind of happened to me. What you got? You worked for a guy named Duck. I worked for a guy named Duck, and he. Uh, no, uh, I couldn't even come up with a joke there. Uh, I worked, no, when I worked at an advertising company, they 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 coached us on how to uh, in a situation uh, pitch pitch the firm. Um, they gave us like they gave us little things to keep in our wallet, like how to talk about um, how to talk about the company. The huh. an, an advertising firm or a branding firm or whatever, they really do rely on their employees to be out there. Like doing the doing the groundwork, um, you know, business, uh, because they're aware that I mean, you know, on a chance meeting, you can get an in with somebody. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. That the is just social completely scene amazing. is a big exactly, yeah. exactly. So I thought I, th- I thought this was kind of funny because I'm sure this is this happened constantly because uh, it still does. I mean, I got an email. I didn't go well, in the meeting, but uh, you know, he's telling everybody you got to get out there and do this. And he's offering a reward, and and there was also a reward given uh, when I uh, when I was in such a situation. I just enjoyed huh. those things. Sure, sure. No, it's it's real life even today. Mm-hmm. Certainly. But is. then uh, you know we we make a big jump, not a big jump, but we go downstairs from there uh, to this the recording studio, and they're having readings for the relaxizer, and you know we get to see that Peggy's. Maybe not always right. You know, she wants the attractive woman, Annie, and Ken wants the unattractive but, uh, you know, Randy-sounding Rita. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we find out that Ken was uh, Ken was on point here. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, you know, Ken gives in. He, he lets Peggy take the lead. He's like, I'm telling everybody it was your idea. He's like, it was my idea. Is, so, it, more so, I think you're right. is it more so that she just wants to be right? I don't know. I'd... No, no. I think Pe- Peggy was sincere in her um, in, in her desire to, uh, to to pick the best person, but I think she was picking it for the wrong reason. She was picking it on based on what this woman looked like, and Ken was approaching it from you know the standpoint of, hey, this is a radio spot. This woman has the best voice. We would take her. You know, very well done. Very well done. What happens later with this storyline is just the most uncomfortable scene. Uh, in quite a while. Uh, really? I mean, it was uncomfortable. But I thought it was very on, uncomfortable. I was, I was put off by it. Oh, okay. So, John, we go from here into the bedroom with Pete and yeah, but, his lovely but not a not, not a fun bedroom. Not a... Well, I mean, I think it got fun at the end. I mean, it was going to get fun for, for somebody. For who? For who? I not the know. audience. Oh, now you're just being weird. Uh, th- you know, Pete decides that maybe he will give it a go, try to have a kid. Doesn't he say, well, he says, no, I can't have a kid on my salary, right? Right. Which, uh, you know, like Michael Jackson says, if you can't feed your baby, don't have a baby. Am I right? That, that is an incredible 
Wow. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then I, I believe then at the end when she goes, oh, you know, I'm going to go, you know. Right. Take my pill. Fix it up. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's like, oh, baby. <laughs> oh, who cares? Caution to the wind. All right. Yeah. Well, fine. That, that's that. She wants that. That's what she wants. Yeah. So, you know, she's excited. Yeah. Um, and then we, uh, you know, we go back to a lot of, you know, a lot of awkward moments about uh, about the whole show. We go back. Don walks in um, home because he's going to do some research for the uh, the carousel thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, Betty's like, oh, you know, why didn't you just stay? It's late. So like, oh, I need to do some work. And, and she jumps on him. Like, oh, so we're not going to see you for four days, and now we're not going to see you now. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, really? Come on. Right when I walk in the door. Um, right. And then, then she, she launches into this great, um, you know, this great uh, story slash accusation uh, monologue. I mean, it's really, what did you, I mean, I thought it was just wonderful how she's, you know, accusing him with her eyes as she's relaying the story of Francine. Yeah, I mean it's it's just kind of funny. Uh, I, I I more so uh, enjoy Don's response, which is kind of like, "Oh, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> Never did like that guy." Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no one knows why people do what they do. <laughs> exactly. It's like, let me change the subject. Anyway, now it was you know it's it's one of the first kind of call outs. It's a passive aggressive uh, call out and. Uh, and I mean, how could you blame her for being worried? I mean, Don is, uh, as uh, you know, the, the the ladies love Don. What can we say? Fair enough. Fair enough is right. Uh, so then we move on from there, and we're back in the office. Well, actually, what there's there's a oh, we move on to what becomes kind of the big point in the uh, in the episode, uh, which is uh, Duck Phillips is in Don's office, and well, and Duck Duck mentioned this when he first gave his little speech. Right. You know, with the with the the steam room and Kodak it was unhappy with their new slide projector. And so now he actually brings it out. And it's the slide projector we all remember very well, I'm sure, the carousel. Um not exactly the most inspiring technology these days. And I always thought kinda clunky and jammed constantly. But what are you gonna do? Uh it's a for nineteen sixty? That was a, a big deal. Big deal then. So I guess you can't Twitter on it, but whatever. Uh, so Don has to start thinking about. Th- I'm sorry. So Don has to start thinking about this, and uh, it, it seems like it's going to be a difficult issue. But uh, right. And uh, and so now now we get to your your scene that we were we were both talking about, where they're uh, they're doing the reading, and Peggy and Cosgrove are sitting in the studio. Annie's doing the reading for the relaxer, and she just doesn't have it. You know, she doesn't have what. Ever it is Peggy's looking for as far as confidence uh, in the voice, which is what Ken had said back when they were reading for the part. I'm just saying, uh, if you didn't, th- you didn't think this was really awkward, like really sad. Oh no, the, absolutely. The girl, just, the girl who played Annie did a terrific job of really just melting down. Absolutely, and that's <laughs> you know that's part that was both very sad and at the same time like you know. It, it really, this is you know this is a job. You got to take criticism, and if you can't, you're not going to get it. Well, no, I don't. I don't think that's it at all. I think that Peggy was 
Peggy was just being. Peggy was terrible. <laughs> I mean, I have. Uh, so you know, as we do the show, I, I have it up here on my computer. And I wish I could show you the freeze frame I have of Peggy right now. There's insanity in her eyes. She's just she's just crazy here and mean and not helpful. Like what she's telling her to do is not helpful. She's not yeah, encouraging her, Annie. She's just upsetting her. Like, why aren't you doing her, this? Her direction. Her direction's terrible. Terrible. Um, and it causes it a full out meltdown. My my favorite part she, is Annie's like, uh, you know, oh, I think my voice is just a little dry. Do you have some pineapple juice? And Peggy pushes the button. There's water in the corner. <laughs> That'll do just fine. I'm like, wow, man. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of ends with um, Peggy telling her to take a hike and then telling Ken Cosgrove to go out there and uh, say something nice to her. Make her feel make her feel like pretty. Right, and then but then she also says, and then after that, call Rita because she's probably home with the relaxer right now. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny, and probably true. <laughs> probably true. You're right. There's a ton packed in this episode. We're only like halfway through, and I'm thinking that we're at the end, but we're not. Uh, so I know can- this easily. This is easily the most full episode of season one. There's a tremendous. It's absurd. Lot. Yeah, there's a tremendous in this. So we go back. Um, now and it's evening time in the office, and Don is working on the uh, working on the slide projector, and apparently kind of coming up with this idea that he's going to pitch. And um, he's, he's he's looking at some of the pictures that was in that box that um, his brother sent him. And uh, he decides to go ahead and give five uh, G a call, John. And yeah. uh, some unfortunate news is relayed. No, he feels terrible. He calls up the hotel where his brother was staying. And, you know, this was months ago. So in his mind, Adam took some money and went somewhere. And so he's like, hey, did Adam Whitman leave an address? I'm just trying to get a hold of him. Mm-hmm. And the guy at the hotel is like, man, I'm you know, sorry to have to tell you this. He hung himself. And as you can imagine, pretty crushing to Don, you know, because the only reason he really gave him a call is because he was looking back through his. His slides, you know, a family, you know, when his kids were no, younger. No, 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 he was looking. No, no, no. I, was he not looking at the box that um, he had sent him? Because before he hung himself, but he after the box. But no, if you look at how the scene starts, it starts with him looking at his slides, his own family photos. Oh, okay. And he kind of gets this like twinge of family. So then he picks up the box of him and Adam. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you know, man, maybe I should, you know, contact my brother. And, and then, then that happens. So. You know he's uh, he gets the uh, gets the news and is pretty cold and upset about it. You know, well, and mean, it's funny because like this is kind down of there on the phone with the guy. Yeah, but you no not with him, but like you pointed out with Francine. You know, when you get bad, terrible news, you go to a friend, and well, who's he doesn't he have go a friend. To? He can't go to anybody because no one knows about his brother. <laughs> exactly, but he doesn't. He, he doesn't. Right, he <laughs> he doesn't have a friend. I don't. I don't know if I I don't know if I quite agree with that assessment, but okay. But um, you know, and then so we go back to to Betty, and she, she's home alone, and she's been mulling it over about what happened with Francine, and and um, decides to do what Francine did: open the bill, look at the numbers, look for strange numbers. She finds a strange number that has been called many times, and calls it, and I think she does a pretty good job. Excuse me. Where she, um, if the phone is answered and it's answered by a man's voice, so she has the 
this great quick kind of relief in her face, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a man. It's not a woman. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, oh, you know, wow, was that close? You know, I almost I was worried I'd catch him and his mistress or whatever. And then when it says it's the shrink and now she realizes Don has been, uh, you know, privy to all of her, her quote unquote secrets that had been told to this shrink. She has a whole different different feeling of, of hurt and depression. A betrayal even so. Absolutely. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so then we flash back to the office where Don is, uh, I believe he's, he's fallen asleep. Um, oh, yeah. And he hears something outside to get, yeah, out, outside in the office, and he wakes up. And who is it but Harry Crane walking around in his drawers, which is actually hilarious. <laughs> I mean, he's got, a, he's got a little weight on him. He's wearing tidy whities which is hilarious. And uh, he's carrying his trash can around. He dropped a cigarette in it, and he was just trying to, you know, clean things up. And uh, Don asked him to come in the office. And this is where we learn that uh, Harry Crane has a little bit of a uh, photography background, John. His favorite thing to do was he did a whole series on putting his hand up against a cold window and taking a picture of the handprint that it left. Man, oh man, there's a billion kids in Williamsburg right now doing the same thing. Worthless photos by the billions. <laughs> and now you see where it got him. It got him into advertising. Exactly. It gets you nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> uh, now, but what is Don talking to him about here? He's talking to him about the slide projector? What's, what's going on? Yeah, no. Well, the way it starts off, Don says, hey, what, you know, what can you tell me about the, the slide projector? And Harry is like, oh, it's just a way to make people buy a projector who already have one. Mm-hmm. But the joy is in the technology. And that's when he says, you know, I, I took photos of college, and, and the technology was a big part of it. And he took some pictures of girls, and he said, like, oh, it was a way to meet girls. But then he also did this stuff with the glass prints. And then he launches into the story, which is what gives Don the idea for his pitch about the, uh, the cave paintings at Lesko, the you know, the thousands and thousand-year-old paintings uh, where they have and, – and you've probably seen images of this at some point in the past – these images of the bisons and the hunters. Oh, yeah, everybody what, knows the cave paintings of Lascaux, John. Come on. Give our listeners a little credit. Right. Oh, no, they, they, they got it. They know. Oh, um, you were worried about me. I'm, I'm always worried about you. Thank you, John. Uh, the, uh, but he's, he's focused on these little tiny hand prints, hand outlines that are part of the paintings. And Don's like, oh, well, that's just the artist's signature. You know, that's how Don looks at that. And Crane's like, well, I don't know. I always thought of it as this this great, you know, time travel thing where their hand is reaching through the stone. Like it's right there and my hand's right in front of it. You know, it's it's kind of reaching through time. Well, no, I mean, that's, that's, that was the inspiration. This is what gave Don his thought of, Mm -hmm. of time travel Mm -hmm. as, as the basis of his, uh, his pitch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was just kind of, you know, with underwear and the talk and the late night and everything. And now we just go to a creepy scene. Oh man, this is this is probably one of my all-time favorite scenes of all time of television, John. Uh, Peggy, really? Oh, it's hilarious. Uh, number one, the little Glenn kid is just—it's it, hilarious to me. I don't know why. Um, but anyway, the scene is uh, Peggy's going to the bank. Peggy, really? Oh man, uh, Betty. <laughs> I'm sorry. Betty's going to the bank, and uh, favorite walks, scene of all time. Please huh? stop. Please don't. <laughs> I deserve that. Uh, <laughs> Peggy's going to the bank, and on her way in, 
Um, she sees Peggy. Ah, oh, stop it! You tell it. You do it. I'm... Let me. I'll, I'll let you collect yourself. I'll start it off, and you jump in when you've got it straight. Okay. Betty. Betty. Betty Draper is going to the bank. I'm sorry. And she gets in the out of her car into the parking lot, and she sees Glenn sitting in the passenger seat of his mom's car. When she walks over to him. Now, this is November. It's cold. She's bundled up. You can see the breath in the air. And she knocks on the window. And she tells Glenn, you know, hi, Glenn, nice to see you. How are you? And Glenn says, uh, you know, he does a pretty good job here. He's you know, awkward. And he's like, ah, I'm not supposed to talk to you. And she's like, why? He's like, my mom and my dad said. And she's like, I don't care. It's okay. I think you've composed yourself. Go ahead. I'm embarrassed. Uh, the the best part there's two there's there's two parts I like about this scene. Number one, uh, the little guy is still pretty smooth. The little Glenn is still rocking smooth uh, uh, with with the older ladies. Um, he does worry though that um, his mom would be back in 15 minutes, and he has no want, he has no idea how long it's been. Uh, he has no concept of time, so he's a little concerned. He's very nervous. <laughs> Uh, Betty says, I don't care. And in kind of an I don't care, I'll beat her to death if she comes out here anyway because she's already been slapping her a little bit. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then just has a complete mental collapse, as far as I can tell, uh, and tells uh, Glenn that she can't talk to anyone and just, I mean, just, just falls apart on the kid, which I got to think from Glenn's standpoint is really disturbing. Because grown-ups don't just, like, mentally self-destruct in front of you as a child. And not only in front of you, you, to you. Like, yeah, looking yeah. to you as uh, support. Uh, yeah, so, you know, kids aren't used to that. And uh, I don't know, it's crazy. I, I, I wish there was more Glenn. I wish Glenn could maybe come back in a few years and, uh, and maybe uh, beat, beat Henry Francis to death. I don't know. We'll have to see where you that see, goes. Jeff. You want to see Glenn sweet Betty off her feet? Maybe. I don't know. It seems like a love that was meant to be, John, for the ages. <laughs> That's true. Give it a few years. Give it a few years. Uh, so moving on. Uh, oh, oh, well, we got, we got uh, Peter Campbell in the office telling Don that he's already talked to Duck. And he'll be collecting his reward, John. A reward for pulling in Clearsill. Because he's out pressing the palms and getting people to like him. Or he has a father-in-law. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> so Don's like, yeah, all right. That's a big client. Like, that's good. But, uh, you know, thanks, I guess. It was kind of it was kind of that reaction. Yeah, and, you know, I think it was um, just funny how how Pete's like, you know, it's important to me that you're impressed. Yeah. Uh, so do we want to keep moving? Uh, the next scene is Betty in the, uh, this, the shrink's office. Yeah. She, she yeah. doesn't really reveal anything to him. She just keeps going on about her business, right? Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if she was kind of revealing something or not, but, uh, uh well, no, she was just being frank about the, uh, the, you know, she comes out about the affairs, and I think yeah. she's interested to oh, see how... Oh, that's what she's doing there, because she's interested to see if that'll go back to Don. Right. 
Right. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. That's cool. That's very that's very clever, Betty. Very clever. And um, but yeah, so she she kind of launches into that. But we find out her mother had not passed yet, so her mother still hasn't been dead a year, which right. is all the more reason she's anxious about her father's uh, new girlfriend. And you know she's upset about her brother's kids, and so all this stress, and to make it worse now, she's telling how Don cheats on her, and how you know she gives very intimate details about why she knows. It's oh, not yeah. like she just throws that out there. Oh yeah, it's not like she has no proof, and she's just you know freaked out because her friend had a uh, had a, had had an issue. I mean, she's got real proof, that's for sure. So so yeah, that's what she, you know she wants to see what you know what's going to get back to him, and she kind of throws out some things about hey you know. I should be absolutely furious, but I just kind of feel sad for him. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, John, the next scene. I'm going to let you take it, pal, because uh, uh, I'll tell you what. I've now, I, I, you know, this is maybe the second or third time I've seen this, and I feel as if my feelings have changed, but I'm going to let you go with it. Okay. I will, uh, I'll start out by saying that um, uh, I'm a big, big fan of uh, the sports and ESPN and one of their writers has referenced this specific scene as the best scene in television history. Um, that's a lot. Of, that's that, a lot that, of words right there. No kidding. Now the uh, the scene starts out by the two higher ups from Kodak, Joe Harriman and Lynn Taylor, Holy. coming in, coming in to uh, get the pitch. You know, they're like, "Hey, did you work the wheel into it?" And Don, I mean, the from the moment from the word go, he is on point. You know, he is selling from the time he opens his mouth and he talks about technology and how your product uses technology as a real um, a real consumer itch. And you kind of uh, quell that itch with your product, but you can go at it a different way in certain delicate instances. And he reveals a story from his first job about a, a Greek named Teddy. And that's where the whole nostalgia came in and the ache from an old wound. And then he starts the slideshow. So... You know, bear in mind, you could use this for any number of things, educational, informational, lectures, whatnot. But he's using it as a way to revisit your own family photo album. And and he does it so convincingly where he talks about using it as a time machine, go back to a place where you ache to be. And and not only does he deliver it well, but it is shot excellently. The, the soft music from a, a television standpoint is fantastic. Um, the close-ups of Don with the bright white light coming up from the carousel into his face uh, is, is fantastic. And he goes on and on about how, you know, let you travel the way a kid travels. It's not, you know, the wheel, it's the carousel. And then the second to last slide actually has, you know, really the only artwork that was done, that one little slide, the Kodak carousel. Mm-hmm. And it ends with him and, and Betty, um, uh, kissing for New Year's, one one New Year's, and it's so moving that um, little Harry Crane leaves the office in tears. Well, because partly because he's thinking of his own business. Exactly, exactly, yeah. part because of the problems he's having at home. Um, and and then it, it has a great ending line where Duck looks at these two guys who kind of have this shock and awe look on their face, and, and Duck says, "Good luck at your next meeting." You know, and that's it. That's the scene. And it just was, um, it, it was very well shot. And I think one of the reasons it, it makes for such a great scene is because it's so different from, you know, the whole first season 
there's really nothing about Don that says family. He's got no real family of his own. He spends no time with his wife or kids. He cheats on them. And so for him to, you know, go through this, whatever it was, two, three minute scene, um, embracing uh, all that he's been through with his family, uh, really throws a contrast in what we know of Don Draper. I will give you this. As far as that whole scene really driving back um, and, and helping him realize something, yes. Yes, it's there, and it works very well. Now, uh, the first time I watched it, I, like you, loved it. It was honestly probably the best scene I've ever seen. Um, now, when you, go back, when, when you go back and put it in the context of the show or in the context of, uh, of uh, what they're trying to accomplish with, with his speech, it falls down a little bit. How so? I just don't... I feel as if it's too personal. He crosses, I feel like he crosses a boundary with, uh, with how much he shows, specifically of himself, uh, to the client and to, um, I, I, just, I just feel like it's very, it's very one-sided for Don. And I realize, now I'm not crazy, it's a, it's a television show, and it certainly does get across the storyline that they're, they're trying to, um, trying to tell but I gotta say I don't think that the guys from Kodak especially those guys like they make them out to be kind of nerdy science guys you know what they'd be like okay we get it you have a beautiful family you know I don't know right right no I understand and I think part of the uh, you know what his goal from a selling standpoint uh, is is just you know the ease of looking back through those photos, I mean, it is showing how easy it is. By use, I thought that was great that they used the carousel for the presentation. Oh, it was brilliant. No, no, no. They, instead yeah. of just calling it the wheel or whatnot, like renaming it the carousel, it's a, it was a brilliant, uh, a brilliant presentation. I'm just saying that I thought, I thought it was a bit overly personal. But this is me when I watched it the second time. Sure. Um, the first sure. time I was like, this is amazing. And it is. I mean, it's an amazing scene. It's so well written, and you get so drawn into it. You get caught right. up in it. Right. Um, it's really, I mean, you can't, you know, it, it's, it's, it's difficult to step back and say, oh, that might actually be a little weird, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. for someone that right. doesn't know the backstory. You know, be, oh, this is a little off-putting almost. I'm, I would be uncomfortable in that meeting. But, I mean, from the, from the storyline and just the way they, they tied his life and how he was feeling into this pitch was just, it is just brilliant. Yeah, no, I, I thought, uh, you know, it goes very well. And, of course, everybody knows how well it goes. And the next thing you see is everybody in the office with Duck walking in and everybody behind them, and they're celebrating. And, you know, yay, the Kodak guys canceled their meetings, including the other big competitor and, you know, it's it's not just a victory for us, but for mankind. And you know, <laughs> you know how how exciting. And this is another wonderfully written scene because you have you have everybody up. You know, everybody's up. This is a high. Everybody's happy. Um, you do get a quick little indication that Doc's a, an alcoholic with um, right with the passing of the the liquor. Um, and then and then Doc says, you know, hey, we got a call from Pete's father-in-law. He's going to be in the meet. 
after Thanksgiving for the Clearasil, and um, and uh, you know everybody's excited. Hey, more business! And Don's like, hey, you know, I got the best idea, the best idea for Clearasil, and uh, what Kinsey's like, oh, he's on a roll. Um, and then everything just crashes. I mean, it's just you know, it's it's excitement, 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 anger. You know, well, it's anger from Pete, and uh, I mean, Don is really on a roll here. Like this, this obviously is just Don continuing his, his steamroller of uh, success by just nailing Pete uh, <clears throat> by telling him that Peggy will be the writer on his account, and he's like, no, 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 I promise the best of our best. She's not. She's a secretary. And uh, Don calls her in and says, uh, congratulations, <laughs> you've been promoted to a copywriter. And uh, just watching that just beat the wind out of Pete's <laughs> sails is uh, it's glorious, just glorious. And uh, Pace is excited. Um, she actually um, gets um, off of the desk and gets her own um, shared office with a complete douche captain who's never been on or will be on the show again um he had uh, he had a little thing worked out with his last office mate where um there was to be no music played john yeah and no meetings no meetings in here and no music and it's funny because when when peggy goes i don't feel so well i thought it maybe it was just because she met that guy yeah i know that'd make me sick but uh in fact it's not just because she met that guy Although we now know that meeting uh, a gentleman named Victor Manny will send you into labor. Hey, yo. God, I got uh, my fingers crossed. I don't meet that guy. No kidding. So she, she goes to the hospital. Uh, the doctor examines her stomach and was like, yeah, you're expecting. And uh, she actually gets up to leave uh, before the contractions knock her over. Yeah, I got to say, the first time I saw this, uh, when, I, when, I, when, when this first happened, uh, I didn't see it coming. I mean, she just, you know, they had done a really great job of just slowly making her bigger over the course of the season. But not, uh, you know, not really, uh, you know, the beach ball bump. You know, she got bigger everywhere. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, there wasn't, a, yeah, there wasn't any obvious uh, pregnancy uh, baby bump. Uh, so, yeah, I totally didn't see this coming, and it's... Uh, I mean, obviously, it's become a, a huge driver for the series, a uh, storyline between her and Pete, because it is it's Pete's Bubba John, yeah. which is great yep. because he's, he can't have a baby at home, but he's having right. babies with ladies in the uh, office. That's Crazy. right, craziness. You know, just from like a doctor standpoint, though, it was really weird because you know she gets up to leave, she falls down, they like call for a wheelchair, and then like one of the nurses goes, uh, um, you know. Call for psychiatry. Like, what? Like, you know, it's... Anyways, nowadays, well, you don't you're not gonna, say that well, in the middle of open ward. And, oh. You know, you get, them, you get them to the room, and then you discuss it, you know, behind closed doors. But oh, you guys don't say, hey, this one's crazy. Not not loud. Not as much? No, no. No, much. you don't say that stuff. No. Not, when, not when there's, like, 40 people, you know, in the room, so... I'm just saying, um, if somebody's crazy, John, you got to call them out on it, all right? Fair enough, but just different ways, you know, medication. Uh, so then she has the baby that night, uh, and uh, the nurse brings in the baby to show her, oh, you know, don't you want to hold it? And she is in complete denial of John. She went to Don Draper School of Denial. Hey, man, it's uh, not a hard place to get into. But right before we see the, the baby, we see Pete come home drunk 
with Trudy's parents dressed up, ready to go. Trudy ready to go. And he's just, he's rip-roaring pissed uh, at what just happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, says he doesn't feel so good and he better, uh, you know, go lie down. And again, another little poke, just like when we started the, the, the show here at the end, the father-in-law is like, okay, get some rest, but have enough energy later. hey <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, and Pete, uh, again, complete a-hole, drops his coat <laughs> right on the floor, right in front of the, the parents. I it's mean, so funny. unbelievable. It's really funny, though. Uh, like a child. Really? Uh, I mean, really. He's like, he's like a 12-year-old. <laughs> it's awful. Um, so then we end uh, the episode with Don going home on the train and everyone's really excited because it's a, it's a holiday. So everybody on the train is having fun and talking instead of their usual just staring at their feet. And I think, you know, especially after doing that presentation with Slide Projector, Don's, you know, he has he actually has a, he has a little uh, a little uh, fantasy that when he gets home, um, Betty and the kids are still there. And he's like, you know what, baby, I changed my mind. Get in the car. I'm driving you. We're all driving up there together. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, but you don't know it's a fantasy. That's the great thing about how it's shot. Yeah. You know, because you, you, for a split second, have this sensation and feeling for the drapers. Like, hey, how nice is that? You know, everybody, like, feels good together. And um, and then it just kind of... It's really... A, I don't know, for you, I was really surprised when it when you found out it wasn't real. Yeah, no, it was, but it was kind of one of those things like, oh, come on. And then, right. yeah, it's extra sad because when he gets home, when he does get home, they replay the scene exactly as he fantasized it. And, he, you know, he says, hello. And nobody answers back. And uh, we end season one with Don sitting down on the stairs and thinking, feel, I, I'd say feeling genuinely bad, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, as absolutely. anybody would. I mean, it's one of those things like, oh, I don't want to go, you know, oh, I don't want to go do this. But then you know what? You're home alone. No, right. one, no one loves you, Don. No one loves you. Great episode. Great season. Great season. Great season. John, what are we going to do next? You know, I think what we should do is to uh, put it up to a vote, see what our listeners really want. Now, we had... We're going to get to a bunch of people here, mm-hmm. um, and, and we'll go ahead and start off with John, who sent us an email after our last show, uh, really emphatically asking us to go ahead and do season two, uh, pointing out a lot of great things that happen, and there are a lot of great things that happen in season two. Now, we also have the recap, the rebroadcast of season three starting next Sunday. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have the option of doing season two as we can and catching up with season three and hopefully having everything done by the time we start season four. Or we could simply hold off on season two, rebroadcast with season three starting next week and catching up to where we originally began the podcast. And I don't know about you, but I think, you know, I I appreciate uh, that John's listening and um, I agree there's a ton of great stuff. And what I'm saying is if we get two more people Two more people to ask for a season two recap. We'll do it. We'll figure it out. Two more. Two, two more, more people. Only two more, John. Two more. Oh, what right. do you think? I love you it. Think? I, you know, I go with what you say. And, uh, you know, maybe John could uh, get up on the uh, the website or on the Facebooks and try to rally some people around him. John, don't be scared. 
uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I, you know, I'm I'm all for it. I've already started rewatching a few of the uh, the first episodes on the first disc, so I'm I'm happy to do it. But I also want to make sure that if nothing else, we do get all of season three done. Okay. So let's see. Let's see what happens. All right. Know? I'm excited. This is this is too much for me right now. <laughs> what else happened, John? Well, we had uh, we had a comment from Chris. Now, Chris went online to our our website, MadmanRecap.com, uh-huh. and he threw up uh, he threw up a comment on our, our last post saying that he likes our show, he likes our fix. Thank you, Chris. And he also made a couple of corrections. I inexplicably referred to Don as a World War II vet, which could not have been more wrong. What is wrong with you? you? I know. I I don't know. The uh, Don, in fact, spent his time in the Korean War. Thank you. And and we've been bandying about for Don's age on several of these episodes. And Chris points out that, in fact, his stated age is 36. 36. Um, and so, so now we've got that down. So thank you for that, Chris. Thank you, and Chris. I'll throw out one more. Also from the website, uh, Florencia. 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 That's so, that's so nice to say. Florencia. It's a lovely name, Florencia. Uh, she commented two posts ago when we threw up some more of the artwork mm-hmm. with uh, the creepy uh, Pete Campbell soup All right. can. Yes, and uh, she just threw out a quick uh, thing that she liked it. Thank you. Thank you, Florencia. What, what do you got, Paul? John, I have got some of the most exciting news uh, of our time. What's that? Of the whole, uh, the whole broadcast that we've ever done, John. Finally, after what feels like years of striving for it, we got a voicemail. No, oh, we got a call. We got a call, man. We got a oh, call. All right. Oh my goodness, that just—it was—it was enough. And you know what? Like we promised, we're going to play it on the show. This man's name is Jack. Now I know you, Jack. I've seen you on the website, and I've seen you on uh, the Facebooks. And uh, we appreciate you being uh, such a great listener. We're going to play your uh, message on the show. You'll be the very first. You're the inaugural. Inaugural. Nice. I don't know. Uh, voicemailer, uh, voice and uh, so let's uh, let's take a quick listen, huh? All right. Hi, this is Jeff from Chicago. Love your podcast. Can't wait to see each new one appear in my iTunes podcast. I wake up each morning, keep looking to see if there's a new one. For years, I've been an intense Mad Men fan, and I've been frustrated that I have so few friends who share a similar interest in the show. Thanks for providing us Mad Men aficionados with the opportunity to listen to your fantastic and thoughtful insight and discussion. My first question is, where's Kate? She provides a valuable and enjoyable female perspective. After all, and let's be honest, we guys all have a uh, Don Draper, if not Roger Sterling, envy. Um, By the time you play my message, you'll have reviewed the season one finale episode, The Wheel, my all-time favorite. I'm curious as to your take of Betty's relationship with Glenn, Helen Bishop's son. Kind of creepy. Does it reflect the immaturity of Betty? I think so. Uh, Hope I'm your first call. So I'm sure I won't be your last. Take care. Bye. Jack. That was fantastic. Well done, Jack. That was that was Thank lovely. You. you should be on the show. I'm fired. That was <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, no, it's, that is that is great. I'm really excited. We got a call um, to to go ahead and address Jack's questions. Um, first of all, thank you for the compliment. We also. Are big big fans as you can tell, and and I don't know about Paul, but I I don't have as many Mad Men followers in in the middle Ohio region either. So this is this is wonderful. 
Um, I'll let you go ahead and address the whereabouts of Kate. So as far as what's happened to Kate um, on the Mad Men recap, it's hard to say. Uh, if you'll remember, we sent her off to the uh, Golden Globes, I think it was, to uh, cover the... Uh, the award the, season. The award season. And she has been gone ever since. She hasn't sent in any tapes or any feedback. Um, I sure do miss her. But we are lobbying hard to find her. And if we do, uh, get her to come back for maybe uh, season three if we do it. Um, it doesn't look good if we do go through season two that she'll return. Um, but we have been talking to her representatives about coming back for season three. So we'll see. We'll and, uh, see. We all miss her, though, uh, Jack. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, be you, pushing, we'll be pushing for some more guest spots. Uh, um, as far as uh, Betty and Glenn being creepy together, couldn't agree more. We talked about uh, that. It made me uncomfortable. I think that, yeah, yeah, we mentioned it. Obviously... Um, you know, she's definitely immature, but she also has a lot of other social issues to deal with. So lastly, John, and, and always, uh, probably our, our, our most, our utmost favorite, um, our good friend from God knows where Laura sent us another piece of Mad Men art. This was awesome. I thought this was a great piece of Mad Men art. This was probably my, well, this, every new one's my favorite. But this is they, they do. They do keep getting better and better. This one, uh, I know everybody will be able to see it on the website, but a quick descriptor. It's the classic pose of Don sitting in his office chair looking right at the camera. But in his right hand, uh, he's holding a, uh, an old-timey uh, cowboy doll with Pete Campbell's face on the doll. It is, it is wonderful. Laura, I'm going to be honest with you on this one. It frightened me until John explained it to me. But I love um, to be frightened. Don't take that the wrong way. I loved it. I love it, and I loved it. But when I opened it up on my email and I saw it, I was like, what the hell just happened? And then John explained it to me. And then Laura shot us a nice little, uh, nice little Mad Men trivia. She asked uh, what character in, um, in Mad Men is also now famous as being Flo in the progressive commercials. And I, I thought that was fantastic. Uh, in fact, what we'll do is use that for next week's uh, trivia and give people a chance to, to look into that. Um, what I did is today on Facebook and Twitter, I went ahead and threw out my own trivia question. And we'll go ahead and give the answer now. How does that sound? Sounds great, John. All right, Paul. Well, I'll ask you uh, and see if you know it. What, what is the, the Draper's residence mailing address? Uh, Peggy. No, and, and uh, I, I actually got this trivia from this episode um, when, when Betty first takes the phone bill from the office, they do a close-up of the envelope. Mm -hmm. And so it says Donald Draper, and they live at 42 Bullet Park Road, Ossining, New York. Do you know where that is? Is that I a don't. real place? It could be. I don't know. All right. And, and in 1960, the zip code was two digits. No. Yep. Austining, New York, 62. That would be helpful for me. Um, so that's, that's the trivia answer for today. 42 Bullet Park Road, Austining, New York. And I'll post this one next week, but for our listeners, uh, just something fun to look at. Which character, again, this is not a main character, but a character on the show who's played by the woman now known as Flo 
from the progressive insurance ads. And this was in the Nixon versus Kennedy episode. Well, actually, this character appears five times in season one, but yes, it was all that was one of the places you can find her. I love it, John. I tell you what, we've been doing the show for a while now. Uh, I, I enjoy your, your candor, and uh, I think this is a good place to end it. So Absolutely. we'll be looking. We'll be looking for all the participation in the upcoming weeks. We're, uh, as always, uh, hoping to get on a better schedule now that John has made the move to Columbus. And uh, don't forget to email us at staff at madmenrecap.com. Those, those emails come straight to John and I. So uh, don't worry, we both see them. And we're pretty quick to respond. You'll always get something back from one of the staff members. Mm-hmm. Usually me. Always John. Always me. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's a good, that's a wrap. I'm going to miss you until next week, John. Absolutely. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you then. Take care. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye.